0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning, and welcome to the morning section of the November 10th, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. And we are here to do some uh, reading in Valley of Vision, some Puritan prayers, and a devotion from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, his morning and evening, and then uh, doing some reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, reading through four chapters today um, using Robert Murray McShane's Bible reading plan. It's read the Bible in a year. Uh, We're using the Legacy Standard Bible for our translation. And let's see, with all that being said, and just to let you know, you know, this kind of motivated to help us all get more in the word of God, to be more and more in the word of the word of God, we've become so biblically illiterate. Um, And that's not saying people are stupid. It's just, we're spending less and less time in the word. So we know the word less and less. And as you'll, as you'll see with um, the message I'm going to give in the evening section, so I would definitely ask you to come back around and you know suggest that you come back around and listen to the evening section um it becomes very clear that it is very very important for us as christians that we stay in the word and we and we be um saturated in the word of god sorry i was looking for that word there for a minute and saturated in the word of god so Hmm. Sorry, with all that being said, let's go ahead and get started with it being the fifth day of the week, we are going to open this morning with the fifth day morning prayer. It's called the giver. Creator, upholder and proprietor of all things, we cannot escape from Thy presence and control, nor do we desire to do so. Our privilege is to be under the agency of thy omnipotence, righteousness, wisdom, patience, mercy and grace. For thou art love with more than parental affection, We admire thy goodness, stand in awe of thy power, abase ourselves before thy purity. It is the discovery of thy goodness alone that can banish our fear. Allure us into thy presence, help us to bewail and confess our sins. We review our past guilt and are conscious of present unworthiness. We bless thee that thy steadfast love and attributes are essential to our happiness and hope. Thou hast witnessed to us thy grace and mercy in the bounties of nature, in the fullness of Thy providence, in the revelations of Scripture, in the gift of Thy Son, in the proclamation of the Gospel. Make us willing to be saved in Thy own way, perceiving nothing in ourselves, but all in Jesus. Help us not only to receive Him, but to walk in Him, depend upon Him, commune with Him, follow Him as dear children, imperfect but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor, but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials, but thankful for our state. And by so doing, let us silence the ignorance of foolish men. Amen. All right, in our morning devotion, this is the morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for November 10th. Let me make sure it actually reset. Yes, it did. Good. Okay, and the text for it is Deuteron- Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven: The eternal God is thy refuge. The word refuge may be translated mansion or abiding place, which gives the thought that God is our abode, our home. There is a fullness and sweetness in the metaphor, for dear to our hearts is our home, although it be the humblest cottage or the scantiest garret, and dearer far is our blessed God, in whom we live and move and have our being. It is at home that we feel safe. We shut the world out and dwell in quiet security. So when we are with our God, we fear no evil. He is our shelter and retreat, our abiding refuge. At home, we take our rest. It is there we find repose after the fatigue and toil of the day. And so our hearts find rest in God. When, wearied with life's conflict, we turn to Him, and our soul dwells at ease. At home also, we let our hearts loose. We are not afraid of being misunderstood, nor of our words being misconstrued. So when we are with God, we can commune freely with him, laying open all our hidden desires. For if the secret of the Lord is with them, that fear him, I'm sorry. So for if the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, the secrets of them that fear him ought to be and must be with their Lord. Home too is the place of our truest and purest happiness, <clears throat> and it is in God that our hearts find their deepest delight. We have joy in him, which far surpasses all other joy. It is also for home that we work in labor. The thought of it gives strength to bear the daily burden and quickens the fingers to perform the task. And in this sense, we may also say that God is our home. Love to him strengthens us. We think of him in the person of his dear son and a glimpse of the suffering face of the Redeemer constrains us to labor in his cause. We feel that we must work for we have brethren yet to be saved and we have our father's heart to make glad by bringing home his wandering sons. We would fill with holy mirth, the sacred family among whom we dwell. Happy are those who have thus the God of Jacob for their refuge. All right, now we're going to do our Bible reading. Um, I forgot to say at the beginning of the episode, but, um, the links to everything I'm going to read today, both morning and evening section are in the show notes. Um, as well as the title and the verses for the little message for this evening's session. So, um, for this morning, we're doing Second Kings 23, Hebrews 5, Joel 2, and Psalm 142. So Second Kings 23. <coughs> Excuse me. Then the king sent, and they gathered him, all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of Yahweh and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of Yahweh. Then the king stood by the pillar, and cut a covenant before Yahweh, to walk after Yahweh, and to keep his commandments, and his testimonies, and his statutes, with all his heart, and all his soul. To establish the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people entered into the covenant. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers, to bring out of the temple of Yahweh all the vessels that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron, and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he did away with the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had appointed, and who burned incense in the high places in the cities of Judah, and in the surrounding area of Jerusalem, as well as those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the constellations, and to all the host of heaven. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of Yahweh, outside Jerusalem, to the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook Kidron, and ground it to dust, and threw it, and threw its dust on the graves of the common people. He also tore down the houses of the male cult prostitutes, which were in the house of Yahweh, where the women were weaving hangings for the Asherah. Then he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah, and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense, from Jeba to Beersheba, and he tore down the high places of the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the ruler of the city, which were on one's left at the city gate. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places did not go up to the altar of Yahweh in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brothers. He also defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire for Molech. And he did away with the horses which the kings of Judah had given to the son at the entrance of the house of Yahweh by the chamber of Nathan-Melech, the official, which was in the precincts, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. Also the altars which were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of Yahweh, the king tore down, and he crushed them there, and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. And the high places which were before Jerusalem, which were on the right of the mount of destruction, which Solomon the king of Israel had built for Ashtoreth, the detestable idol of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination of the sons of Ammon, the king defiled. And he broke in pieces the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherim, and filled their places with human bones. Furthermore, the altar that was at Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel's sin, had made, even that altar, and the high places he tore, he tore down. Then he demolished its stones, ground them to dust, and burned the Asherah. Then Josiah turned, and he saw the graves that were there on the mountain. And he sent, and took the bones from the graves, and burned them on the altar, and defiled it according to the word of Yahweh, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these things. Then he said, What is this monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, It is the grave of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, Let him alone, let no one move his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. And also all the houses of the high places which were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made, provoking Yahweh to anger, Josiah removed. And he did to them, just as he had done in bethel and all the priests of the high place all the priests of the high places who were there he slaughtered on the altars and burned human bones on them then he returned to jerusalem then the king commanded all the people saying celebrate the passover to yahweh your god as it is written in this book of the covenant for such a passover had not been celebrated from the days of the judges who judged israel nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, and of the kings of Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to Yahweh in Jerusalem. Moreover, the mediums and the spiritists, and the teraphim and the idols, and all the detestable things that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, Josiah purged in order that he might establish the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of Yahweh. And before him there was no king like him who turned to Yahweh with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the laws of law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. However, Yahweh did not turn from his great burning anger, his anger which burned against Judah, because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him to anger. And Yahweh said, I will remove Judah also from my presence, as I have removed Israel and I will reject Jerusalem, this city which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, My name shall be here," shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? In his days Pharaoh, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria, to the river Euphrates, and king Josiah went to meet him. And when Pharaoh Necho saw him, he put him to death at Megiddo, and his servants drove his body in a chariot from Megiddo, and brought him to Jerusalem, and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land took Jehoaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him, and made him king in place of his father. Jehoaz was twenty-three years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hamital, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his fathers had done. And Pharaoh Necho imprisoned him at Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem. And he imposed on the land a fine of one hundred talents of silver and one talent of gold. Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the place of Josiah his father, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But he took Jehoaz and brought him to Egypt, and he died there. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land in order to give the money at the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and gold from the people of the land, each according to his valuation, to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebedah, the daughter of Pediah of Rumah, and he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his fathers had done. All right, in Hebrews five, for every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin, being able to deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness and because of it, he is obligated justice for the people to also offer sacrifices for sins in the same way for himself. And no one takes this honor to himself. But receives it when he is called by God even as Aaron was in this way also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest but he who said to him you are my son today I have begotten you just as he says also in another passage you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek he in the days of his flesh offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the thing which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. All right, and Joel 2 blow a trumpet in Zion, and make a loud shout on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of Yahweh is coming. Surely it is near, a day of darkness and thick darkness, a day of clouds and dense gloom, as the dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is a numerous and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it. For the years from generation to generation, a fire consumes before them and behind them a flame burns the land is like the garden of eden before them but a desolate wilderness behind them and nothing at all escapes them their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like war horses so they run with the noises of chariots they leap on the top of the mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire consumes the stubble like a mighty people arranged for battle before them the peoples are writhing All faces turn pale they run like mighty men they climb up the wall like men of war and they each march in line and they do not deviate from their paths they do not crowd each other they march everyone in his path when they fall against the defending weapons they do not break ranks they rush on the city they run on the wall they climb up into the houses they enter through the windows like a thief before them the earth trembles The heavens quake, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. But Yahweh gives forth his voice before his military force. Surely his camp is very numerous, for mighty is he who does his word. The day of Yahweh is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? Yet even now, declares Yahweh, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and tear your heart, and not your garments. Now return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting concerning evil, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for Yahweh your God, blow a trumpet in Zion, set apart a fast as holy, call for a solemn assembly, gather the people, set apart the congregation as holy, assemble the elders, Gather the infants and the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom come out of his room, and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the ministers of Yahweh, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Pity your people, O Yahweh, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? Then Yahweh will be jealous for his land, and will spare his people. Then Yahweh will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove the northern military force far from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rearguard into the western sea, and its stench will rise up, and its foul smell will rise up, for it has done great things. Do not fear, O land, Rejoice and be glad, for Yahweh has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green, for the tree has borne its fruit. The fig tree and the vine have yielded their full force. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in Yahweh your God, for He has given you the early rain and righteousness, and He has poured down for you the rain, the early and the late rains as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with the new wine and oil. Then I will pay back to you in full for the years that the swarming locust has consumed, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great military force which I sent among you. And you will have plenty to consume and be satisfied, and praise the name of Yahweh your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, And that I am Yahweh your God and there is no other and my people will never be put to shame and it will be afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions even on the male slaves and female slaves I will in those days pour out my spirit and I will put wonders in the sky and on the earth blood fire and columns of smoke and sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of Yahweh comes. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there, there will be those who escape, as Yahweh has said, even among the survivors whom Yahweh calls. All right. In Psalm 142, With my voice to Yahweh, I cry aloud, With my voice to Yahweh, I make supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my distress before him. When my spirit was faint within me, you knew my path. And the way where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see that there is no one who regards me. A way of escape has been destroyed from me. A way of escape has been destroyed from me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Yahweh. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry of lamentation, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of prison to give thanks to your name. The righteous will encircle me, for you will deal bountifully with me. All right, that is our reading for this morning. And we're going to go ahead and close with another uh, prayer from Valley of Vision. This one is called Mortification. O divine lawgiver, I take shame to myself for open violations to thy law, for my secret faults, my omissions of duty, my unprofitable attendance upon means of grace, my carnality in worshiping thee, and all the sins of my holy things. My iniquities are increased over my head. My trespasses are known in the heavens. And there Christ is gone also, my advocate with the Father, my propitiation for sins, and I hear his word of peace. At present it is a day of small things with me. I have light enough to see my darkness, sensibility enough to feel the hardness of my heart, spirituality enough to mourn my want of a heavenly mind. But I might have had more. I ought to have had more. I have never been straightened in thee. Thou hast always placed before me an infinite fullness, and I have not taken it. I confess and bewail my deficiencies and backsliding. I mourn my numberless failures, my incorrigibility under rebukes, my want of profiting under ordinances of mercy, my neglect of opportunities for usefulness. It is not with me as in months past. O recall me to thyself, and enable me to feel my first love, May my improvements correspond with my privileges. May my will accept the decisions of my judgment. My choice be that which conscience approves. And may I never condemn myself in the things I allow. Amen. All right. Well, that is our reading and prayer time and devotion time this morning. Um, I would pray that it will lift you up, that it would edify you, it would equip you, that it would hedge up your way, and that it it would prepare you to truly walk through the coming day as a witness for jesus christ um and as i try to end most morning sessions make sure that everything you do today that you do it for the glory of god hope i hope to see you and god willing for the evening section have a great one god bless We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good evening, and welcome to the evening portion of the November 10th, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. And we are going to go ahead and commence right away, jumping into our evening time of devotion with some prayer and devotion and then a short message. Um, so our opening prayer is going to be one called, from Valley Vision called Consecration and Worship. My God, I feel it is heaven to please thee and to be what thou wouldst have me be. Oh, that I were holy as thou art holy, pure as Christ is pure, perfect as thy spirit is perfect. These, I feel, are the best commands in thy book, and shall I break them? Must I break them? Am I under such a necessity as long as I live here? Woe, woe is me that I am a sinner, that I grieve this blessed God, who is infinite in goodness and grace. Oh, if he would punish me for my sins, it would not wound my heart so deep to offend him. But though I sin continually, he continually repeats his kindness to me. At times I feel I could bear any suffering but how can I dishonor this glorious God what shall I do to glorify and worship this best of beings oh that I could concentrate consecrate my soul and body to his service without restraint forever oh that I could give myself up to him so as never more to attempt to be my own or have any will or affections that are not perfectly conformed to his will and his love but alas I cannot live and not sin O may angels glorify him incessantly, and if possible prostrate themselves lower before the blessed King of heaven. I long to bear a part with them in ceaseless praise, but when I have done all I can to eternity, I shall not be able to offer more than a small fraction of the homage that the glorious God deserves. Give me a heart full of divine heavenly love. Amen. All right, and now the evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for November 10th. The text for it is Matthew 10 25. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. No one will dispute this statement, for it would be unseemly for the servant to be exalted above his master. When our Lord was on earth, what was the treatment he received? Were his claims acknowledged, his instructions followed, his perfections worshipped by those whom he came to bless? No, He was despised and rejected of men. Outside the camp was his place. Cross-bearing was his occupation. Did the world yield him solace and rest? Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not not where to lay his head. This ah, This inhospitable country afforded him no shelter. It cast him out and crucified him. Such, if you are a follower of Jesus and maintain a consistent Christ-like walk and conversation, you must expect to be the lot of that part of your spiritual life which, in its outward development, comes under the observation of men. They will treat it as they treated the Savior. They will despise it. Dream not that worldlings will admire you, or that the more holy and the more Christ-like you are, the more peaceably people will act towards you. They prize not the polished gem how should they value the jewel in the rough? If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? If we were more like Christ, we should be more hated by his enemies. It were a sad dishonor to a child of God to be the world's favorite. It is a very ill omen to hear a wicked wicked world clap its hands and shout, Well done to the Christian man. He may begin to look to his character and wonder, whether he has not been doing wrong when the unrighteous give him their approbation, let us be true to our master and have no friendship with a blind and base world which scorns and rejects him Far be it from us to seek a crown of honor where our Lord found a coronet of thorns. Well said, well said by Spurgeon. All right. Well, tonight we're going to continue um, in our study of Ephesians five um, we're moving on into a next characteristic of the walk. Uh, we're actually moving on to verses 15, 16, and 17. We're actually I'm actually going to break this next one up into three parts. So God willing, we'll cover it uh, this evening, tomorrow evening, and the following evening um, over these next three verses. But I've talked to you before, um, and I've brought to your attention before, that as as we hit this practical application portion of the book of Ephesians, basically Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, the last half, or the, the second half, um, which is also the last half of the book of Ephesians, that we, uh, you know, it was the first half was, was Paul showing us what our position was, what the position of the church was, the position of the body of Christ, the individuals that were before God that we are placed holy and blameless through our salvation in Christ. And that the, the second half was that practical application, that walk that is trying to bring us through sanctification up to the level where we've already been positionally placed. Okay. So, and we've talked about that. It, it starts out in um, chapter four, verse one, that, that we are to walk worthy, that worthy walk. And then we've broken it down and seen the different pieces of that walk. Um, and when we finally got into Ephesians 5, we saw first off being imitators of God and and that walk, it, walking in love, that love walk, um, walking as Christ loved us, that sacrificial walk. And then we saw there how there were things that was not to be, things that what the love walk should look like and what it shouldn't look like, um, what that worthy walk should look like and it shouldn't look like. And then when we got to verse verses eight last night, um, we talked about the walk of light. Um, and that light being a righteousness and a truth, um, you know, truth as far as knowledge and then righteous uh, and righteousness, um, holiness as far as morality. Um, and we saw the contrast between the two, between what we were like before we were saved and what we were like after we were saved. So we saw that in verses 8 through 14. Um, and we saw the call that in verse 14, that call by Paul to the, to those who have become complacent to those who, the, the sleepers, um, that they were to arise from the dead so that Christ will shine on you. See, so we saw why they should, they should not be complacent and they should be walking in light. So what we're running uh excuse me, what we're moving into next is the walk of wisdom. That is that next characteristic. And we see that in Ephesians five verses 15, 16, and 17, we're going to deal with verse 15 today, but I'm going to read all three. So we've talked about the others. We've finished the walk, um, walking in light, being children of light, through verse 14 in Ephesians 5. So here we are, verse 15. Therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. On account of this, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right, so again, our verse we're, like I said, we're going to break this walk of walking and wisdom. We're going to break it into three parts. So our first part here, we're going to deal with verse 15. And what we see in verse 15 is walking carefully. Therefore, look carefully how you walk. Now, again, don't forget. And I've said this a couple of times. We saw it back in verse seven as well. And we, and, and in verse five, or chapter five, verse one, and we see it at the very beginning of chapter four, we see the use of the word, therefore, and what have I said to you before about that? When you see the word, therefore, you have to figure out what the therefore is. there for. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but you do. You got it. You have to know what is that telling you? What is the word therefore telling us? What is te- what it is telling us is the next thing said relate back to the thing said previous. So what we actually end up seeing here, and we, we see it in other places in Ephesians, but Paul is building the the God through the apostle Paul is building one walk upon the next walk, upon the next walk, upon the next walk. So it's that walk of love should build into a walk of light should build into a walk of wisdom, which should build into starting in verse 18, a walk in the spirit. Okay. So these are building on. So it's saying, okay, with that walk of light, which built on the walk of love before you, n- now we're building the walk of wisdom on top of it. So that's what the therefore is there for at the very, the very first word of, chap- of verse 15. But then it goes on, look carefully how you walk. So it's speaking of a careful walk, and it goes on, not as unwise, but as wise. Um, in some of the translations, carefully, walk, look carefully how you walk. Some translations use circumspectly. Um, and, and what it, what it's mean there, the carefully, the circumspectly is it's, it means a very, um, careful walk a Well, of course it is because it's walk very, look carefully how you walk. But the circumspect walk is one that is careful with every step it takes step by step. It is very controlled. It is very guided. It is very specific about where it steps. Um, I don't know if you've ever, ever, um, tried to walk on ice, um, where, where, I mean, here, here in Arizona, we end up with black ice. We end up where it freezes over on an asphalt road and you can't really tell till you step on it and you end up down on your behind sliding or slamming or bruising or whatever. But when you're trying to cross a surface like that, you're very, very particular about how you put your foot down. It's not just where you step, but how you step, um, how you plant your foot, what weight you put on your foot, what kind of force you use. Um, I, I I know Arizona, um, where I'm at, um, <laughs> water doesn't run in this half the streams. But if you've ever been up in the mountains or whatever, and you're trying to cross a creek up there, and you're crossing on rocks, especially rocks that the water's getting splashed on, you are very very particular as you place each foot. As you go across, that's, that's what's being referenced here. It's that kind of very, very, very careful walk, a very, very careful walk. And again, this verse goes on and talks about not as unwise, but as wise. What it's sta- saying there is it's giving you the particulars of what that careful walk, what should shape that careful walk wisdom, not, un, not lack of wisdom. Now wise here and wise spe- spe- um, biblically has the inference of being close to God, being wise as being close to God, being unwise, being foolish is being separated from God. Um, and, and let's see, I mean, we see this throughout the scriptures, Psalm 14, verse one, the wicked fool says in his heart, there is no God. They act corruptly. They commit abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. I, separated from god um romans 1 um what is it verse 21 and 22 for even though they knew god they did not glorify him as god or give thanks but they became futile in their thoughts i've told you that before futile useless in their thoughts they were foolish in it, it goes on and their foolish heart was darkened professing to be wise they became fools separated from god It makes clear and of course if you read the entirety of Romans 1, it makes very, very clear that who he's speaking up there is somebody who's completely separated from him. They're the fools. So that's what we're looking at is somebody who's close to God and somebody who's separated from God. Um, we go on uh, Proverbs 1 uh, verse 7. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Ignorant fools despise wisdom and discipline. So somebody who's foolish despises wisdom. Somebody who is being foolish, somebody who is separating from God despises wisdom and discipline. And uh, you see again in verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love simplicity and scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Those that are separated from God are not interested in knowledge. And those are sinners. That's sinners. Um, Proverbs 14 verses eight and nine. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. And in that way, it's talking about his own ways, but it it could also be seen talking about God's ways. But the folly of fools is deceit. It's untruthfulness. The folly of the fools is untruthfulness. That's what we're looking at. The fools are separated from God. We see that through there. They are completely separated from God. So, So the question would be asked, so what does that matter? What does that matter if they're separated from God? What is the difference between being close to God and separated from God? Well, uh, excuse me for a minute. Um, the being closer to God means you have the guidance to properly place each foot, to truly walk carefully. And where do we get that guidance? We get it from the scriptures. We get it from the scriptures. Um, and that that's what we've seen um even through our um through our reading today that's where we get our I, you know I've been telling you that's why I'm so concerned about the biblical illiteracy of the body of Christ that is what guides us on that careful walk that walk of wisdom is the scriptures and that being in the scriptures is what brings us closer to God. Being outside of the scriptures means we are separated from God. We are separating ourselves because we're not. We're we're told clearly, repeatedly in the scriptures that we are to be in them. We are to be meditating on them constantly, okay? One, we're being disobedient if we're not doing that. But two, we are setting ourselves up to walk as the unwise, to walk as fools, to be fools, to be separated from God, and it's really, really easy for us to go, oh, it's just not that big a deal. You know, I still love God. You know, I know he's my savior and all that stuff. Well, you end up being the, the, the sleeper, the, the dead person from verse 14, that, that, that totally complacent supposed believer that's not being bothered to do anything, that, that has no Christian walk at all, that bears absolutely no fruit of light we talked about that no fruit of light that we spoke of last evening they're manifesting nothing because they've gone lazy because they're not in the word they're not walking wise they're walking as separated from God they're walking as the unwise they're walking as fools and and I, while I was doing reading through this and as, as I as I was going back over my notes for this it, it of course I came back to um Bunyan's Paul um John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, and uh, just wonderful, wonderful. I, I I can't recommend Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress more to you. Um, to me, it is the book you should read most beside the Bible. Um, it is just wonderful. And they spoke of Bunyan that the guy was so saturated in the Bible that if you cut him, he would bleed babbling, He would bleed Bible. But he wrote this and this is about a person, a man called Christian and this Christian, this Christian man, this man named Christians walk towards salvation. Okay. Um, and it tells it as a story, but this, this illustration is so solid. Um, So Christian and somebody else named hopeful, and you get these interesting names across this story. So Christian and whole, and hopeful are making their way down the designated path. They're trying to get to the glorious city, which is a a, a metaphor for salvation. Um, And the path starts to get tougher and tougher, but they're on the right path, but they see off on their left-hand side of the road, a meadow that is called Bypath meadow. And the path looks easier, but it's off the designated path. They continue through the meadow. And they run into another person called Vain Confidence, who assures them that this is the path to the Celestial Gate. However, Vain Confidence falls in a pit due to to going this way, and Christian and Hopeful end up captured by giant despair and imprisoned in Doubting Castle. And all of that could have been avoided if they had stayed on the designated path, if they had walked carefully, if they'd walked circumspectly as the wise and not fools, if they had followed where they had been directed. If we, If we walk where we've been directed by the scriptures, if our walk truly reflects that, if our behavior, our habits day in and day out follow what the scripture shows us and tells us to do, we will not fall into the hole in Bypath Meadow, we will not be captured by giant despair. We will not be imprisoned in Doubting Castle. And I know those are fanciful names for what Bunyan wrote, but he was applying it. If, when you read through it, you realize he's really referencing what the Christian goes through in that, in his walk, through his walk of sanctification, because that's what he's doing. This Christian has shown he believes, but the walk is hard. And you sit there and go, oh yeah, it's just a story. But we see that same thing. When I first preached this back in 2019, we were seeing it then, but you see it still today that professing Christians are running around in this world, not walking carefully. And I'm not talking those of us that stumble. I mean, we stumble daily with our sin, but we're talking people that go wandering down paths where no Christian is meant to be. They get wrapped up in supporting things that no Christian has any business being associated with, much less supporting, and I'm going to be blunt, abortion. No Christian should have anything to do with abortion. And if you're sitting there supporting abortion, you better question your salvation because you are associating yourself with murder and we are called to call that out as sin and to turn from it. But when you see them pushing the LGBTQ agenda, pushing an agenda that is in direct conflict with what God and what Christ and what God through the Apostle Paul calls sin. And there are people professing to be Christians that are supporting that. And supporting, and I, I can say LGBTQ, but supporting adultery supporting people living together outside of marriage and and living in an intimate way outside of marriage that is as bad if not worse because you're perverting what god set before us as the appropriate way to do things um you see them i just the, the kind of things that they're supporting uh, the the The, the kind of gospels, what they call the gospel, that they're pushing forward. And yet professing Christians associating with them that they have no business being anywhere near. Sensationalist things, ridiculous things. They're not walking carefully. And for us to have a wise walk, we have to walk close to God. And the only way we walk close to God is being saturated in the scripture and being guided by God's commandments and statutes. And I'm not talking as a legalist, okay? I'm not talking as a legalist having a moral checklist. This should be an outflowing of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us, having worked the work of regeneration within us, having brought us to a saving faith in Christ and repentance and repentance from our sins. And that should be working with us because sanctification is, is a synchronistic thing. It's not just us and it's not just the Holy Spirit. It's the two together. It's the Holy Spirit empowering us and helping to guide us and helping us to understand the statutes and the, and the commandments and the guidance from the scripture so that we wa- we are able to actually walk wise because we can't do it by ourselves. But we're not expected to. I mean, not only did God send his son to pay the price for our sins, to die in our stead and to drape us in his righteousness. But he then sent the paraclete, the helper, the Holy spirit to empower us, to help us to understand, to understand the word of God. And if you don't, if you, if you don't really, I truly, I I mentioned it before. Actually, I mentioned it on the special episode. I'd grown up being in the Bible, but when I came to salvation, when I truly was saved, Oh my gosh, that the Bible just exploded for me in the change in meaning. That was the Holy Spirit working within me. But it should be an outflowing, our walking carefully, our walking circumspectly, our walking in wisdom is guided, should be guided by that love of Christ and that just burning desire, that hunger to be obedient and to walk in a true Christian walk, a walk of wisdom that brings tremendous glory to God and honors him as he deserves to be honored. That is what we're called to. And that's how this walk develops. And and admittedly, this is only the first, first part of this, but we've got to get that that we are called to walk carefully and we're given in God's love. He's given us the ability. He's given us the Holy spirit to empower us and to help us to understand how we're supposed to do it. And it is only through our own stupidity and laziness and unwillingness to be bothered that we don't work with the Holy spirit to walk this way. Because God's given you everything you need to be able to do it. And you and I have got to be about doing it. So I, I, I beg you, I, I know it's really, really easy to get sucked into the things of this world. And to just either, and, and please let me be clear. Maybe you don't outwardly support it. But if you don't resist it, like abortion and LGBTQ and and race politics and all that stuff, if you don't resist that, you're tacitly approving it. Whether you want to admit that or not. Do you want to just stand in the corner and not bother anybody? You're approving it. And you're not walking wise. I'm not walking wise. I'm not walking in wisdom as I've been commanded to do here. And we've got to be about doing that. And so I would pray, I pray, and I would beg you, please walk in wisdom. Please walk carefully. This first part of this walking in wisdom, please walk circumspectly because we owe God that glory and he gives us the ability to give it to him. So let's do that. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this evening. With prayer, we're, and being the fifth day of the week, we are going to go ahead and wrap up with the fifth day evening prayer that's called Protection. O Lord God, Thou art our preserver, governor, savior, and coming judge. Quiet in our souls to call upon Thy name. Detach us from the influence of the flesh and the senses. Impress us with the power of faith. Promote in us spirituality of mind that will render our services acceptable to Thee and delightful and profitable to ourselves. Bring us into that state which attracts thine eye, and prepare us to receive the proofs of thy love. Show us our danger, that we may fly to thee for refuge. Make us sensible of our sin's disease, that we may value the good physician. Placard to us the cross, that it may slay the enmity of our hearts. Help us to be watchful over our ways, jealous over our tempers, diligent over our hearts when we droop, revive us, when we loiter, quicken us, when we go astray, restore us, possess us with more of that faith, which is the principle of all vital godliness. May we be rich in faith, be strong in faith, live by faith, walk by faith, experience the joy of faith, to the work of faith, hope through faith, perceiving nothing in ourselves. May we find in the Savior wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, Redemption, Amen. All right. Well, I hope you've had a wonderful day. I hope this devotion time at the end of your day has been very, very helpful, um, and I hope you'll take it to heart. Um, we've, if we are truly to be the Christians we're called to be, we've we must walk a worthy walk, and we're given the ability to do to do so. And in walking that worthy walk, part of that worthy walk is a walk in wisdom. And a characteristic of that walking in wisdom is to walk carefully. So let's walk carefully. In this world where there are so many pitfalls and so many bypath meadows, let's stay on the path no matter how hard it gets and walk carefully. All right, you have a wonderful rest of your evening. I love you. And God willing, I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless.